Hello and welcome to Sound of Play. I'm your host, Ryan Heyman, and it is just me in the studio today. I'm recording this on New Year's Day, on January 1st of the brand new 2017. And uh, today I thought that I would do something a little bit different, since it's kind of a different show, just me kind of kicking back by myself, instead of having the normal kind of eclectic mix of music, I wanted to go really in-depth on one game in particular, and talk about the ways that it is so musically brilliant and varied, even within itself. And so this isn't one of our like two hour long specials on a series. This isn't like necessarily a thing that we're going to be doing over and over again, but kind of in the vein of our old Music Mondays, I wanted to uh, go really in-depth and examine each song within Um Jammer Lammy. And I think that even those of us who are familiar with the game will be surprised when we go back with it, which is how varied and wonderful that soundtrack is. So first things first, all of the tracks that we're going to play today will be composed by Masaya Matsuda, who is a musician and a game developer. He was the lead developer on Parappa the Rapper and I'm Jeremy Miami and Parappa 2, of course, as well as a few other games along the way, the most notable of which probably being Vib Ribbon. And uh, yes, he's a musician, both in groups and doing solo work on his own. Uh, if you want a taste of his more recent, uh, you know, not made for the Parappa series compositions, he does have a song on uh, on the marketplace on Rock Band 4 that you can check out. Uh, it's quite fun to play as well, so I give that one a recommendation. That first track that we heard playing us in is called Tag. It's kind of the title screen music. It's what plays whenever you boot up the disc, and it uh, leads nicely into a... A fun little loop in the background of the menus. And it introduces the game as having a little bit more of a like punky hard edge than the Parappa the Rapper before it. Uh, this game does seem to be pitched towards like slightly older audiences. And the game itself is regarded as being, uh, I would say, fan consensus. This game is considered to be the best in the series generally. And we'll get into a lot of those reasons later, but it is a an impressive accomplishment. Uh, one that I have to say is unfortunately not always 100% playable on modern systems. As you know, the PlayStation 4 has no capacity to emulate PS1 games, although the PlayStation 3 does have full PS1 emulation. And while Amjaramalami works and can be bought through the digital marketplace or loaded up from the PlayStation 1 disc, it's not a perfect emulation by any stretch of the imagination. While sometimes it does work flawlessly, I've had a lot of problems running Amjaramalami on my PlayStation 3 in the past, uh, mostly having to do with the, uh, with the guitar instrument, uh, sorry, not uh, not a plastic peripheral that I would be plugging in, uh, but just like Parappa the Rapper, you hit buttons in response to a scrolling note indicator at the top of the screen. But instead of rapping, Lammy plays her guitar along with the uh, with the masters. And unfortunately, in the PlayStation Three version, whatever kind of uh, technology they use to get the guitar sounding right, it sometimes doesn't work on the newer technology. Sometimes the guitar is completely inaudible. Sometimes it's horribly out of tune. Uh, I really don't know what went wrong with that, but uh, I, I guess they were using something very specific to the PlayStation 1 that was not able to be reproduced in the PlayStation 3 version. And it's weird because sometimes it works well and sometimes it doesn't. I'm thinking that it's a uh, it's a function of uh, the fact that these probably aren't just like solid wave files that you're triggering. Uh, you know, you have uh, the ability later on in the game to unlock like guitar effects that you can put on your guitar 
like wah-wah and echo and a whammy pedal and everything. And those do change the timbre of the uh, notes being played. And so I'm thinking that whatever technology they use to make sure that that is a viable option uh, also kind of broke the system when it was ported to the PlayStation 3. Not ported, but, you know, emulated, so to speak. And so it's kind of unfortunate in that way, but uh, it's still a marvelous game worth going back to if you can get it to run correctly. And if you want to hear more of our thoughts about this game and the entire Per Rapper the Rapper series, you can go back to Canon Rinse issue 120. That was a long time ago. That was actually my very first issue. So you'll get to hear me as uh, as nervous and inexperienced podcaster. <laughs> but anyways, let's hop into a little bit more music. This next track is probably one of the more memorable pieces just because of its standing in the series continuity, so to speak. This one is called I Am A Master And You, which doesn't make a ton of sense grammatically, but uh, I, you know, whatever. And this song is really important as far as uh, setting up the story and the themes and the tone of Um Amy. This song is being performed by Ryo Watabe, who in this game and the rest of the series plays Chop Chop Master Onion, who is also the first master in the original Parappa the Rapper game, and he makes another return in Parappa the Rapper 2. And he's kind of, uh, other than Parappa, probably the most popular character in the entire series. Uh, in, in this game in particular, he has kind of an interesting arc, whereas in the very first game, he is the first master that Parappa meets, and he's this this great kind of dignified uh, kung fu master who uh, trains Parappa when he's at his lowest point, you know, so to speak. You come to Chop Chop Masterani as being this wise, sagely teacher figure, and he's a, you know, a dignified, powerful warrior. And it's interesting that in this game, they kind of subvert that image in a way where uh, his story in this game is that he had lost his dojo because he had fallen upon really hard times. And you can see from his appearance, his his clothing is all tattered and, and dirty and torn up and patched over. He's a lot more kind of worse for the wear, but he provides a very important role throughout the story as being, again, kind of like the spiritual guide of Lammy as she's going through her adventure. Towards the end of this song, over, over the uh, course of the last couple lines of the song, her guitar turns into a vacuum cleaner. And at the end, Chop Chop Master Onion says, Lammy, look at what you're holding in your hand. And at first this comes off like he's scolding her, trying to embarrass her or something, because the audience leaves the venue once they realize that she's holding a vacuum cleaner instead of an actual guitar. But uh, kind of the the arc that she goes through as a musician and uh, as a person as she's going through her adventure is that is that she has to learn to kind of use what's around her to find the music in anything, so to speak. And so it kind of puts a different twist on this, whereas I don't think that he's trying to disempower her by saying that you aren't actually holding a t- guitar, but rather saying that you did all of this, you beat my rap by, um, you know, using a vacuum cleaner instead of guitar. It's, it's kind of a silly moral. And his line, after he lost his dojo, is uh, that he still has his dojo in his mind, and it even has a casino. And so again and again throughout the game, he says, Dojo Casino, it's all in the mind, which kind of harkens back to his uh, very first line in the uh, original Parappa the Rapper. Uh, but uh, Lammy uses this piece of knowledge, uh, this, this little bit of wisdom as uh, the impetus that she needs to use whatever is around her uh, as a guitar, whether that is a fire hose or a crying baby or whatever to, again, kind of like bring the music out of life and, uh, and solve her problems that way. 
to use her tenacious spirit as a musician to solve real-world problems, which is cool. And as I was saying earlier, even though Chop Shop Masteranian is kind of down in his luck here, uh, he, he kicks off this, this song with the line, Kick, punch, you all remember, chop chop back again, yes forever. Which is just like, it's said so boldly and confidently that you can tell that even though he's really lost everything, nothing has broken his spirit. Um, I, I really like this song for its instrumentation. It's got this really weird instrumentation. I really love uh, Ryo Watabe's performance as Chop Chop Master Onion. Uh, he has a very, very strong vocal performance here and just really kind of kicks this uh, game off to a really strong start. It also is kind of interesting in that it foretells everything that's going to happen in the game. There are lines about, you know, if a baby's crying, what would you do? If you're on a plane, how would you play? And these are all encounters that Lamy is going to have throughout the day. And so it's, uh, she's having this as a dream. It's not like a real encounter with Chop Chop Master Onion. It's, it's all kind of a, I don't know, but the spiritual journey that she's having in her sleep, but it foretells a lot of aspects of uh, her journey. Uh, one last note that I want to point out before we get into the song is that uh, this is technically the uncensored version. <laughs> yes, uh, a lot like uh, Parappa the Rapper 2, they had to change a few lyrics when they moved it westward. Um, in particular, they had to change an entire level of this game. Uh, they didn't really change that much about the level itself, just kind of the setup to it. Uh, in the original game, uh, towards the end of the game, Lammy dies and goes to hell and has to perform in hell uh, to kind of like earn her way back to Earth. <laughs> uh, but in this particular, in the Western version, they changed it to she was just like slingshotted over to an island and has to play to be faxed back to uh, to the mainland. Uh, which is funny and, and cute, but it, it really, like, they didn't change a lot about it, and it still very clearly reads as hell, so uh, I think that's a more interesting way to read the story anyways. So in this particular version of Chop Chop Master Onion's song, he makes a, a reference to going to hell, but uh, in the Western version, they changed that to going to an island. So uh, listen out to that. This is the version that Sony Computer Entertainment America didn't want you to hear. All right, this is I Am A Master and You. Kick, punch, you remember? Chop, chop, back again, yes, forever. How many challenges coming at ya? Fast to the fire, don't tire now, pick.
recording in your hand? I don't know. What is it? In many ways, that song sounds a lot more like the composition style that they used in Parappa the Rapper 1 instead of the one that they went on to employ more frequently throughout Amdramalami. And one of the reasons for that is that the songs in Parappa 1 typically didn't have choruses except for the very end song, uh, the song that uh, Parappa performs with MC King Kong Mushi, uh, whereas the songs in Amdramalami almost all have choruses to them, with that first song being a pretty notable exception. Uh, but I really like the the choruses in these songs tend to be some of the highlights of the songs, uh, some of the best parts, and they use that to really tremendous effect to uh, kind of musically subvert what they were doing before or take a really sudden you know left turn into a, a different tone or a different style of music or something, which I think works really, really well. And we're going to hear that in this next song, which is called Fire Fire, where Lammy is on her way. She's late to her show and she's running through town and... And she is stopped by uh, the entire roads blocked off because a building is on fire. I guess it's a pizza factory and they make a comment about how it smells great, which I always <laughs> I always thought was pretty funny. And in this song, uh, she's kind of thrust in position. She says, you know, I need to get through. I need to get through being a little pushy about it. And the lead firefighter, who's this Dalmatian with a wonderful voice, he's voiced by Richard Bush. His name is Chief Puddle. He says, if you want to get through, then help us put out the fire. And she says, I don't have any experience. And, uh, you know, Chop Chop Master Onion, uh, his memory comes back to her and says, you know, the dojo casino, it's all in the mind. She envisions the uh, fire hose as being a guitar and plays along with the song that is being sung here. This song, in many ways, is kind of like the first song in the game. The first, uh, the one that we just heard, Chop Chop Master Onion's rap, is uh, in many ways kind of like a like a prologue in a way. Like the game really starts here. That was before her journey began. Uh, it was composed, like I said before, in the style of Parappa the Rapper One. It was a kind uh, of a carryover character from the first game. Like there's a lot that uh, that sets that piece apart from everything else. Uh, whereas this this song kicks off a uh, the the style of music they're going to be hearing more frequently throughout the game as far as the way that it's composed and uh, it just feels a little bit more like an um jammer lemmy track in a way. But this song's really fun. It has kind of like a Motownish vibe to it. It's very kind of high energy and positive and uplifting, and uh, you get some really nice kind of background vocalist as well, punctuating a lot of the chorus beats. And as I said before, I really love Richard Bush's Chief Puddle voice that he does. Again, this one takes a very sudden turn as far as uh, compared to the last song, as far as the genre of music being played. And I think that that's one of the biggest strengths of this, ser- of the, this game in the series, is that it plays with so many different genres. And we're going to be seeing that almost every single song is a completely separate subgenre of rock or, uh, you know, neighboring genres of music. So let's listen to Fire Fire from Mama Jammer Lenny. Talking about Ho, 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 
next song is probably the highest energy in the entire game. Uh, this next one is called Baby Baby, whereas the last one was a little bit more Motownish. This one's quite a bit more surf rock if I had to put a genre to it. It has very energetic guitar in the background, and the vocalist is this bratty baby who's constantly, you know, they're just trying to get the babies to sleep. She's being recruited by uh, by a character named Kathy Pillar, who's a giant caterpillar with this really uh, weird voice and a gross habit of throwing up all the time. I don't really understand that, but um, regardless, she's been recruited to help put these kids to sleep. And uh, she does that by holding a little baby in her arm like it was a guitar, which can't be a pleasant experience for the baby, but it makes for a really tremendous song. You know, there's a lot of like interesting correlates that I draw between Parappa the Rapper 1 and I'm Jeremy Lamy. Like there's a lot of, uh, I, I had this in my mind a while back of kind of aesthetically and mechanically, it walks you through a lot of the same beats on a lot of the same stages throughout the game. Like in both games, the first level is Chop Shop Masteronian. The second level is uh, the most kind of predominantly African-American voice that you're going to hear in the game. The third level is one where you just like keep on hammering that button down over and over and over again in long lines of rapid note progressions. And the fourth level was the one that introduces like two line measures. And it, there's a whole bunch of like little things that kind of like add up between the two of them. But regardless, this is a pretty tricky track to play just because you really have to keep hammering that button down and not hit it too many times. But it's just a really kind of rapid and frantic and energetic song. And uh, I think you'll really like it. I really love, uh, especially in the song, how Lammy has to uh, use her guitar to kind of like imitate the babbling of a baby. <laughs> uh, it's, it's done uh, a few times throughout the song and it's, it's very funny. So anyways, this is Baby Baby. <laughs>
Good night, little guys. All right, this next track is one of my personal favorites, and it's one that uh, I think is probably the most memorable in the entire game. This is the legendary Fright Flight. Lanny gets on an airplane and finds out that her pilot has suffered a blow to the head, and he keeps on getting hit in the head throughout the song and switching between two split personalities. One of them is a very kind of like hard-ass military type, and the other is a very kind of, you know, dopey idiot which creates a super fun dynamic for this song. And I, I, this, this song is absolutely brilliant. One of my favorite things about it is that the song takes place in like a split screen where uh, Lammy and Captain Fuss and Pepper, the, the master of this one, who's also voiced by Ryu Watabe from uh, Chop Chop Master Onion a few stages back. And then the other half of the screen is dedicated to the uh, outside of the plane where you can see what it looks like as it's flying through the air. And as you start to do worse, it starts really kind of like careening and almost crashing and <laughs> it's a it's an amusing display uh, but what i really love about this song is that it uh, it kicks it up into the next level of intensity but kind of undercuts that as well with the kind of dopey split personality because it switches between them uh, the military man is kind of underlied with like real hard metal music whereas the kind of dopey pilot is uh kind of it's hard to describe like maybe a little bit more psychedelic a little bit, but it, it keeps the energy of this track really dynamic, really loose, really unpredictable in a way. And it really keeps the players on their toes, making this one one of the most fun tracks to play, in my opinion. But you hear that really crunchy guitar right at the very beginning, and it plays the kind of typical metal triplets, triplet notes. And then Fuss and Pepper's lyrics, and uh, especially when he's the kind of angrier version of himself, uh, are very rapidly delivered, very harsh, very uh, intense, and I, I really love that. So let's go ahead and listen to Fright Flight.
I'm in a hurry. Need to move on. And that was Fright Flight. This next track is a weird one. It's uh, probably my least favorite in the game, but it's it's interesting. You meet this kind of backwoods American South beaver after you have uh, forgotten your guitar on the plane. And he he works at a guitar shop. And instead of just selling you a new guitar, he insists on making one himself or instructing you in how to make one yourself. So you go out behind the shop and there's this tree that you have to cut into the shape of a guitar to uh, create your own instrument, which is pretty cool. He has this kind of dopey voice, but there's a sense that he's like a master of his trade and he's not depicted as being like stupid necessarily. You know, it's kind of an unfavorable depiction of somebody from the American South, but it's not like hugely uh, derogatory once you kind of get past that surface level. But regardless, the song itself isn't a country song. It fits a little bit more cleanly into probably a genre of like Southern rock or even something a little bit more kind of even something a little bit more kind of typical and mainstream like, you know, 80s rock or something. And this song also, I think, uses uh, uses its chorus in a particularly intelligent way. The main, uh, the verses of the song tend to be very kind of hard driving and discordant, where the chorus comes in and really kind of pulls everything together. It has a really nice synthesizer backdrop that comes in in the chorus, creating some really just lovely chords that change the timbre of the song entirely. And during this chorus, it just becomes really anthemic and very gripping, very soulful, which I think kind of speaks to the character, is that he comes off a little gruff and a little basic, like you could describe the music as during the verses, but once he really gets into the groove and once he really starts doing what he is good at and what he loves doing, it becomes almost like a spiritual experience for him, which you get in the chorus. And so in that way, like, I think this song is really a perfect representation of the, uh, this part of the story that's being told. So yeah, keep your ears open for that chorus and see what it does to you emotionally. Just kind of open yourself up to it and see where it takes you. This character, Paul Chuck, was voiced by Everett Bradley. So let's go ahead and listen to Power Off, Power On.
This next track is uh, the one that I referenced earlier as being originally set in hell. And I think the music probably plays the best when you kind of keep that picture in your mind rather than the westernized version of it just being set on some random island. You meet this character named Teriyaki Yoko, who is voiced by Carla Cook, who is uh, just a wonderful character. I, I really like her in this game. Uh, she's kind of set up like a Japanese idol figure in a way. Although she's uh, not depicted as being like young and innocent, she's very kind of old, mature, intimidating even. You know, she really has a sense of uh, kind of lording over her audience rather than being in musical service to them, you know, so to speak. And I think this particular song fits nicely into kind of like the goth rock type genre, although it it doesn't fit like a one-to-one correlate with that but it is meant to be a little bit more kind of like dark um sometimes even explicitly like with kind of a hint of like pseudo religiousness to it like you would get from a lot of uh you know early metal and uh goth rock type music you know demons and angels and everything which is appropriate because this is set in hell <laughs> but i really love the the picture of uh just her stadium is in front of these uh these crowds of fans who who scream like they're at a rock concert but their screams are so kind of like weird and distorted you won't really be able to hear it that much during this part of the this version of the song since it's off the soundtrack cd but you would be able to hear it in the actual game but the entire crowd is depicted as being just kind of like mindless zombies in a way like they're still there enjoying themselves but they're so dehumanized, their eyes don't have pupils, and instead of being individual members of a crowd, they are just like a texture on a like waving surface, like they all are one, like a giant hive mind or something, which you get a sense of at a really good rock show. But there's something here that just makes it come off as so creepy, and uh, when you start playing poorly... The crowds split open and, uh, you know, this, this red light shines up from the bottom and it, it's, it's very creepy. They get struck by lightning and, and the, uh, the rippling waves become more intense. And yeah, it's just, it's really, it's a really kind of off-putting, creepy setting, but I think it plays so perfectly into this song that they're trying to create. The song itself has a lot of really kind of interesting aspects to it. It starts off really kind of big, like a typical Japanese idol song, but then it gets very, very small. Teriyaki Yoko has a small voice. It's, it's a voice that doesn't really project out over, you know, she doesn't have like a big, booming, operatic voice. 
but the backing instruments are so perfectly tailored to suit her voice in particular. And her vocal style in the song is really interesting as well. She kind of lazily slides between notes instead of, you know, clearly kind of punctuating each note in particular, uh, using very interesting kind of like half minor, half major key scales. I'm sure there's a word for it, but I'm not musically, musically literate enough <laughs> to, really, to really know that. But it comes off as being very mysterious, somewhat sinister in how mysterious it is. And uh, Lammy's guitar performance, of course, emulates this really well. And again, this is another one that really takes a hard turn on the choruses, which I think, again, it uses to tremendous effect. Whereas the verses are very dark and mysterious and kind of creepy, the chorus kicks in with just this really grand, really just enormous sound of... Uh, you get the the background vocalists that come in and really kind of become the main focus of the music at that point. It turns very kind of major key. There's a lot more background instruments that come in. There's some brass, there's some uh, synthesizer to create just a really big, really kind of triumphant sound, which plays so nicely against the really kind of dark and small uh, verses and bridges. The only criticism I would have for the choruses is that uh, Teriyaki Yoko's voice kind of gets lost in the mix. Like she stops being the most interesting part of the music, which doesn't really play nicely with her character as being, you know, though somewhat kind of like physically and um, vocally unimposing, still has this tremendous power over everything just in being the most dignified and experienced and you know, famous that kind of falls to the background in the uh, in the choruses where she takes kind of a secondary role her vocal part is less interesting than everything else that's kind of going on around it but you know even though it it does kind of let the character down a little bit i would say that musically it's a very it's a far more interesting part of the song than anything else and i absolutely love it so Yes, I'm uh, very happy to be playing Taste of Teriyaki from Um Jammer Lammy.
unexpected. Really good. Thanks. That's what I do best. It's at this point in the podcast that I want to point out something that's a little bit special about this game, something that really set it apart from a lot of other games of the time. And this is because Um Jeremy has a terrific end game. <laughs> I guess a slight spoiler warning, although the game is decades old at this point. But, uh, you know, regardless, spoiler warning, if you absolutely don't want to be spoiled on the end game of Um Jeremy, then uh, go ahead and skip this. But one of the things that makes it special is that after you beat the game, you get to play through almost the entire game again as Parappa the Rapper, which is super cool. <laughs> They've remixed almost all of the songs, all of them except for Chop Chop Masteranian's song, uh, to include Parappa the Rapper vocals. And this means, you know, all the masters have entirely rewritten songs. Uh, the background music is entirely different between all of them. Uh, but they all play at the same like tempo and at the same beat and have the same number of lines because of how this plays into the multiplayer mode, which is also super cool. You can play multiplayer uh, 1v1 in a number of ways in this game. One, I think you can just do like a uh, like a head-to-head score attack type game, uh, but also you can choose to play alternating lines in the song. And so you can have both Lammy and then her evil twin Rami as player one and player two. And each line is pitched to one of the two of them alternating. And, you know, whoever has the most points at the end of the song is the winner. But you can also play that mode against Parappa the Rapper, which is super cool. <laughs> so one player plays as Lammy on the guitar, and the other player plays as Parappa, rapping along. And the song changes between the Lammy and Parappa versions of the song with each line. And so you can see at that point like how careful they had to be to make sure that these songs were musically complementary of one another while still being interesting and cool on their own. So yeah, they've, they've really taken a step farther than they needed to go on that one. But I, I think it really paid off because the end game of Um Jeremy is just tremendous. And so I didn't want to go throughout this entire Sound of Play without playing at least one of the Parappa tracks. And uh, I think one of the ones that made the transition the best is the Parappa version of Taste of Teriyaki, which we have just listened to the Lamy version of. This is a good indication of how different the Parappa versions are. But keep in mind that these can be played alternating lines, and so they, they fit together really nicely, the Lamy and Parappa versions. This version of the song, the Parappa version of Taste of Teriyaki, is even darker than the Lamy version. The background instruments are very creepy, very understated, yeah, kind of like some of the like quieter Nine Inch Nails type stuff. The lyrics become more kind of explicitly satanic in a lot of ways, which is interesting as well. I honestly don't remember how much they changed about this track when they brought it west. Maybe not a lot because it was all kind of endgame stuff anyways, but uh, yeah, I'm not really remembering that. But there are a lot of references to the devil and angels and uh, supernatural stuff like that. Uh, but the song's also different in that it's uh, instead of getting really kind of big and triumphant and, and anthemic during the chorus, like it did on the Lammy version, it gets even darker and even creepier. And um, and it kind of amplifies the feeling that it's meant to project instead of subverting it. Uh, so it, it doesn't necessarily always go for the same notes as Lammy's version did, but I think it's equally stands on its own as an interesting composition. So let's listen to Taste of Teriyaki Parappa from Um Jamalami. It's not 
Can I, can I play with you, with your game? I still feel and smell your smoke and I, can I play, play with your game? Cause I know that you're gonna behave like a child from the world way up above. Cause I know that you're gonna behave like a child from the world way up above. And in any case, it's all up to you if you can just show me just what you can do. In any case, it's all up to you if you can just show me just what you can do. I sure hope that you ain't no bluff. I've seen many, many of those. I've had enough. I sure hope that you ain't no bluff. I've seen many, many of those. I've had enough. Somebody come and rescue me quick, or I'm gonna be the angel's next pick. Somebody come and rescue me quick, or I'm gonna be the angel's next pick. You don't wanna see me get hurt. The angel been mean to me, that's for sure. You don't wanna see me get hurt. The angel's been mean to me, that's for sure. If I can have half another wish, I want the devil to join my next dish. If I can have half another wish, I want the devil to join my next dish. an impressive accomplishment that they were able to essentially release two full Parappa the Rapper games on one disc. And, uh, you know, to this day, a lot of serious fans don't even know that the Parappa songs are in there. So, you know, definitely check those out if you still have the disc around or the uh, PS3 download. This last song is one that I've played on Sound of Play in the past, and so I apologize for the repeat track, but it's really that good. Like, this song is tremendous. This is called Got to Move, and it is the song that uh, Milk Can, Lammy's band, plays when they're reunited. This is the, the show that Lammy's been trying to get to throughout the entire game, and I will say that everybody is just completely on point in this song. The guitar work is wonderful. It's this, this good kind of like girl power type rock song. It's just very big and strong and happy. And it also works in aspects of the that title theme music that we heard at the very top of this show, which I always appreciate. Each of the Parappa games do that to some extent. But the real star of this track is Michelle Burks playing Katie Cat, who gives an astounding vocal performance. You know, she is uh, she's mostly kind of understating it and being a bit more playful during the verses. But uh, during the chorus, she just really lets loose and shows that she has a powerful, powerful voice. And the chorus is just so, so cool. You get the roaring crowd underneath her, and she's just really giving it everything that she has in this this really kind of flawless vocal performance. And uh, it's, it's really hard to 
listen to that chorus and not just feel hugely spiritually elevated in a way. So anyways, that is uh, what's going to play us out today. I've been Ryan Heyman doing a special sound of play about one game in particular. So, you know, this isn't going to be a normal regular thing. It was just something that I, I had just been listening to the soundtrack and thought that people need to hear this thing in its entirety. <laughs> we'll be back to doing more of our uh, regular output next week with Leon on another show. But until then, I want to mention that you can uh, venture over to our forum at canonrinse.com forum, where you can request tracks for future sounds of play. Get in touch with us on Twitter at CanonRince. We also have a Patreon. If you search for CanonRince on Patreon or just go to patreon.com slash CanonRince where you can support our shows and the podcast that we put out. We here at the CanonRince team wish you a very happy new year and we hope that 2017 is uh, a wonderful gaming year for you. Regardless of what happens on the outside world, I hope that we are able to come together and uh, just have uh, have the best time that we possibly can. <laughs> ah. Stay strong, everyone. This is Got to Move from I'm Jeremy Lamy. See you next time.